Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Yeah, I can kick off. Well, here we are. We're recording, baby. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, let's dive right in because <laughs> we got a big year ahead of us. And I know for you and I, the best stuff happens out of where we're continuing to evolve, learn, and grow, and where we can help others. And we want to accomplish a lot this year. We've got some dreams yeah. and visions and goals, but we don't want to become people that are so focused on the objective and the achievement that we forget what it's about to be what you articulate so well, a growth multiplier, which means we're not just in it for the achievement, we're in it to help other people. We're advancing. And so even in sales, it's not win-lose, it's win-win. Right, it's that uh, positive sum, sum game. Uh, and just, I have to break here just for a moment because uh, for, the, for our listeners who heard us laughing up, up front, it was funny. We're getting ready for the podcast. Chris and I can see each other. We're not in the same room, but we are uh, seeing each other on video. And Chris begins putting his mask on. And so <laughs> it's a great, uh, just a great commentary of where we are, man. It's just, just, just crazy. I cannot wait. I talk to clients every day um, who have COVID kind of just making its way through their family, uh, kids as young as two. Um, and, uh, you know, just this this focus on for me it's a focus on i just can't go have fun like i used to yeah yeah and i'm tired of kind of talking myself into gratitude right i just want life to be back the way it was <laughs> dude i mean and this fits with everything we're talking about because we want to be good humans contributing to the advancement of society right. yet right. yet all the issues it's complex it's messy this morning i went to go to a couple meetings at starbucks and they've been doing, I've been, I could meet there before, but today they had signs out. You could not sit down and do a meeting, which mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to be a Karen or a Ken about it, obviously. And, and, you know, so I'm like, okay, I get it. But I literally went 0.3 miles to a cafe that was serving breakfast to, I mean, it was packed. Table after table kept turning. Um, and, and did the meetings there, and it was great. But, you know, it's, it's just weird. It's, it's muddy. It's confusing. And, you know, I can't resist the connection because it's so there. Most of the things in life that are powerful and transformative, they don't have this simplicity of a binary, like you're a good salesperson or not. You're a bad salesperson. Right. Or not. Instead, it's living in the mess of the unfolding reality of how you want to lead in sales and living in the mess of it means you've got the pressure of an objective and you want to be good and caring towards others you want to make sure yeah. you're doing it to serve them not yourself so i think it's a good analogy actually but i appreciate <laughs> you being a good sport for <laughs> yeah i just threw the mask on 
I should I should wear one around the house later today and just see if you know. Yeah. We were doing that before Christmas, man. You know? Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we had it in our house. And and heartfelt so. thoughts and prayers because I know there are people right now. We have some people close to us. My wife has a high school friend who is hooked up to a ventilator right now. Right. Like crazy right. stuff. Yeah, I have a prospect who uh, missed the meeting because he was being hospitalized for it. So I, I think, um, yeah, like you've got Boris Yeltsin who's saying, hey, COVID's over, but you still have 1,500 to 2,000 people a day dying. So, you know, I, I'm I'm happy to buy into the emotion of let's get this through and let's just treat it like the common flu. I'm also cognizant of the fact there are people yeah. who are out there suffering. and there, yeah. And like you said, there is no... This is definitely not one one of those situations that can be that's black and white for everybody. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. I think that's a great way of framing you know everything we're walking through today. How do yeah. we walk through the messiness of our most ambitious goals, visions, ever? What we want to see happen this year, but make sure we're doing it in a way that it doesn't just advance what we hold near and dear, but develops and serves and grows others. Exactly. And I like the way you framed it. For me, you know, advancing your vision without compromising your core values, right? And we're, the value that we're talking about is the, this desire to be a good human. Mm-hmm. And um, what I think is amazing about this idea of, of uh, servant leadership and taking servant leadership to a practical level, as you and I have discovered, it's the healthiest way to actually achieve exponential growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a servant leader is a natural growth multiplier. Uh, we are a natural force multiplier. Servant leaders are, uh, because we're after that positive sum game, what ends up happening is it's not that it's a zero sum game where I win and you lose. And there's only a limited amount of value to exchange between two people. There's an unlimited amount of value to exchange between two people, for example. So I can win and you can win. Therefore, the product of our agreement, our successful buying decision, the product of our collaboration, the product of our relationship is larger than what either of us brought to the table, right? So, and, and what's wonderful about that is when you can create a win-win, it's easier for you to make the next sale. It's easier for you to continue doing work. and so the force multiplier or the growth multiplier continues. Mm-hmm. So we like to say it's the healthiest way to achieve exponential growth. It's kind of looking at the world through the lens of the servant leader and then showing up and acting that way, staying true to the discipline. Mm. And I know we've talked about your origin story with this and and this like closing that deal on December 31st and the upset stomach and 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 so you know, it's such a powerful thing. I, and I want to ask this question, and my bias in this question is I too had to have that kind of an awakening. Uh, mine just happened to be in the South at a Chick fil A uh, with my three year old daughter, <laughs> uh, which is a crazy story. Mm. But I realized mm. I was making the moment about me. Um, and that's a whole other thing. Mm. But it was, it was a moment of a lightning strike and awakening in this whole thing. Um, do you think people can get to this mindset on their own in a logical, linear way? 
you know, or does it have to come through a transformative experience? You know, I think it's it's a that's a great question, and I think um, it's an important question because folks listening are saying, okay, great, I'm willing to listen. Help me understand how this makes sense for me and how I might incorporate this in my life. Um, and and as a coach, and I know you you agree with this. There are as many paths to enlightenment or to an aware awareness as there are people, human yes, beings on the planet. Yeah. So my experience is my own, and it may you know help somebody. But I think I think Chris talking answering your question from my perspective. I was raised to be a survivor, right? So if you think about that, I was raised to not have to rely on anyone, not depend on anyone. I was raised to be highly independent. I was raised to be highly skeptical. I was raised to be, to, to not, you know, to not follow the pack. Um, and when I got out of grad school in 91, and this is the beginning of the origin story that you talked about, you know, I was wholly unemployable. I recognize that now, but didn't know it then. <laughs> I was raised, to be, you know, an entrepreneur, I had the arrogance of my MBA and I had the arrogance of my youth, along with that arrogance of I can do anything on my own. And and that really drove the next 15 years of my career, so much so that I was blinded by the lessons that showed up for me before <laughs> my origin story, the, the awakening that, you know, almost cost me so much. So um, you know what I can tell you is that you depending it just depends on how deep seated your belief system is. What I think you and I are talking about though is is recognizing that no no person on the planet achieves without help yeah. without a connection to someone else. I mean I can't sell something without a buyer yeah. okay and I can't sell something without somebody creating it for me. So already, I'm, you know, if you can recognize your dependence on others, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what your worldview is, you have to respect the fact that none of us achieves on our own, one, and just look at the examples in your life of those who live their life via the zero-sum game. Always embattled, always fighting, always um, in, in a state of conflict and always having to make up for the, the carnage they leave behind them. Mm. That was me in my career, leaving carnage behind me, um, not worrying about it because I always felt like there was a new sale to, to come. But imagine how much, I can only imagine how much easier it would have been for me if I had believed that I could achieve success without the zero-sum carnage that I left behind me. Yeah. Well, and, and I think this is a good point to say this. Um, there are plenty of people who grew up in an environment that cultured um, a passivity, a hiding. Um, but the thing is, they're not usually attracted to sales, right? And you and I know this from working with companies and, and lots of different people in positions, but like, you know, you can see, if I'm speaking to a company, I can figure out some of the reaction. I don't mean this in a stereotypical way, but very often what's going to happen based on like the box that employee lives in for their work. So 
like sales tends to attract people who have more on the side of trying to take over a moment versus those who are underdoing a moment. But both tensions are unhealthy, right? And and as we talk to sales leaders, as we connect here in this space and, and outside of this space, we see that. We know that for our stories. So, you know, yeah, I think you can't get anywhere powerful without the awareness for yourself, first and foremost. And none of us is fully awakened or enlightened, and that doesn't happen. You got to learn it every day. You got to wake up every day, so to speak, because you're either ascending or descending in your growth, like becoming a good human or, or whatever. But here's what's I just something I just realized. I've had a little bit of an aversion to the term servant leader. And you've warmed me up to it so that I use it now in a natural, authentic way. But I just figured out what my aversion was. Because like you were talking about, you were raised with this idea of surviving and then winning and wondering how successful, you know, things, what might have happened if you had had that mindset earlier that was so hard fought for and healthy in your transition. I was raised to get what you want with a veneer of servant leadership, a manipulation, hmm. to use the language. And so, uh, so anyway, that's just like light bulbs going off for me, a further clarity. And, and so I had to learn, I had to learn how to be authentic, how to just be honest and, and actually state directly and clearly, you know, and not just lead to get what I wanted and win, uh, and, and, and it be in a veneer of something that it really wasn't. Yeah. And it's, that's really insightful. Um, anybody can use language to convince people of things, right? Yeah. And, and so that's the thing, brother, that's the whole thing about sales that, I, that I'm really, that I don't agree with. Right. Yeah. Um, you help, you're helping me unlearn that just in our conversations. Right. Right. And, and it's this, I mean, the, the popular view of sales is the one that sells movie tickets. The popular view of sales is the one that gets people pissed off enough to tune in to see something, right? It's, it's what attracts the eyeballs and it's entertaining. But the real, the real powerful view of sales is the one that, where we don't live on either of the extremes that you talked about, where I'm very passive, trying to make things happen, or very aggressive, trying to make things happen, there is stress, a, height, a heightened amount of stress that exists at both of those extremes. And there's a level of stress that is popularly associated with this idea of selling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and- now, for everybody except for Tommy Boy, but, <laughs> you know, Richard had a shit ton of stress, right? But, um, but you can have that kind of success without the stress by leveraging what you and I are talking about. And that might feel unnatural for a lot of folks. It did for me until I demonstrated that it actually worked. Well, that's why I use the term unlearning, because you are unlearning some of these patterns. By the way, did you see where somebody created a, a Tommy Callahan LinkedIn Yes, I love it. I've, ah, I've bumped into it a couple times. Dude, it was so awesome. I think they took it down, but that was like the joy we all needed. Um, but yeah, so here's, here's I want to build on something you said earlier and connect it to what you just said. The stress. What is the stress block? The stress blocks something you were talking about earlier, the ability 
to go f from this win-lose, I'm losing, you're winning, I'm winning, you're losing, to this win-win, you make the pie bigger. You make the value bigger. I'm right. not worried. Right. It's like a working a miracle. I'm not worried right. about the piece of the pie that I get. I'm thinking more about how to make the pie bigger. Now, I I know this because I, I measure out this way when I take assessments, and it's how I've led for over 23 years. I, I tend to be in an organization, I, the visionary. Like, I can expand the vision, expand the value. However, I am not at the level that you do it at, especially in sales interactions. And I am thrilled the number of times that I've come to you with like a thing and I'm asking a question and you're like, Chris, what if? And you take that pie and you make it even right. you bigger. Make it bigger. So you've worked right. at this. You've developed this at right. a high level of skill. And I think that can be encouraging for people to hear because how valuable you are to the other person, to the process, when you can increase the value. Right, right. Right. And, and so it, it, for anybody who's selling or leading and feels stress over it, right? Uh, I'm working with a client right now who is a leader in a multi-billion dollar company, not our typical type of client, but a human being nonetheless who is curious about uh, his leadership path. And he came to us and the IFQ teased this out, you know, with a desire to be useful, Right. He makes himself available to his team all the time, anytime, to feed that desire to be useful. So there's a stress involved in achieving his level of success or his definition of success in leadership, which isn't that unlike what we experience in sales, right? We have a number to hit. We have people to impress. We have income to make. We have a family to support. We have all these things we want to achieve, and that can all pile on to, should I have to hit my number? And then the numbers depend upon every meeting I set and then every meeting that I lead. And so I can bring all that stress into that meeting and then that can actually disrupt my ability to be creative and thoughtful in the moment with that client. Yeah. So how do you, how do you kind of, how do you disengage that stress so that you can be in the moment when you, when it's most important for you to, to uh, lead a buyer or in the case of my client, lead a team member to change, right? Yeah. To making a successful buying decision or deciding to buy into an idea that I bring to the table. Um, and, and for me, the easiest way to, dis to disconnect from that stress is to, is to recognize, first off, servant leaders are natural growth multipliers, right? Because they create leverage for the client, leverage for the person that you're working with uh, for their own company, for themselves, et cetera, by focusing on the best possible outcome for both parties. In the context of sales, I call it a successful buying decision. So if you went out into the world, this is what did it for me. If I go out into the world thinking about, I'm just looking for folks that I can, uh, who I can help make a successful buying decision. Now, I'm looking for folks who have a goal that I can serve and a path that I can lead them along. So it's this idea of, do we have a shared goal? And is there a shared a path that we can share? If, if that's true, then I can serve you while serving myself. I can lead you while leading myself, while leading us both to a successful buying decision. 
if so in that context, I'm not looking to take anything from anybody. I'm just looking for people with whom I have a connection. I'm looking for people that have a problem I can solve that must be solved now. That's not that hard. That's just a discovery process. Mm-hmm. That's just me learning how to articulate the problems that I solve in a, using words that resonate with my prospects. So the, the only thing that I'm focused on is perfecting my understanding of the problems my clients have and my ability to articulate my understanding of those problems. Yeah. And as we know, understanding is the first step to establishing trust, to establishing respect, and to initiating that successful buying relationship. Yeah, they feel seen, known, and heard, and they relax. And, and you're obviously relaxed to be doing that. Uh, that stress isn't blocking you right. being at your best, that servant leader, that person who is getting to that shared path, you know. Now, where my mind and heart go, and, and it's where I've gone over the years, I, I go to the performance side of that. Like, okay, so if you're blocked up from getting into that moment in a pure, authentic way, what's happening you have insecurities. That insecurity causes stress, and everybody has insecurities. And if you go, well, I don't have any insecurities, yours are repressed and buried, and they're going to form a coup on you. <laughs> I don't wish that on anyone, but that's what happens. Uh, and so what you're doing when you come to this place that you can expand the value, your brain is relaxed. So neurologically, psychologically, how I get there is I accept everything that's happening. I don't fight against reality as it is. And then I seek to lean into that and get awareness. And and this is the key word you just used, understanding. Understanding of myself. How can I know myself more than this? And then how can I love them or serve them as myself, right? Which is like that progression. These are like old school memes that have been around for thousands mm. of years. Uh, and then I'm in a place that in that acceptance, in that relaxed state, I'm not overwhelmed with what's happening in my head and heart and distracted. I actually see them. I hear them. I feel them. And that other person knows that. They right. know that. And that's what's essential. Whether you're a leader um, or whether you're practicing sales as a leadership competency. Yeah. Right. It's, it's about that level of connection. Yeah. And some of the best at that connection... And, and this is my observation. I want to hear what you think about it. Some of the best can actually be terrible because they're manipulating. They're not getting to the shared path. They're doing the connection just to get what they want. Right. right so there are right, people right. out like that, out there like that. They're sociopathic. They have a seared conscience. Their shame is absent in a, in a way that makes them dangerous. They don't feel a sense of like, oh, I want to be a good human. So if you're listening to this and you go, oh, I hope that's not me. I want to be a good human. It's not. Like if you're here and you care, it's not too late. You can you yeah. can be on this path of impact. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there's no question. Uh, yeah. There's no question that I made that transition in my career, the first 15 compared to the second 15. Um, what also helps me um, as I sell, is to keep in mind some universal truths, right? So why does this work? You know, how, how do I, 
how do I or how does a servant leader understand if there is a shared goal, you know, and, and, a, and a shared path that we can walk together? Um, you know, the thing that the thing that helps me, I always in the back of my mind, I'm always having this question. So what? Mm. Right. Somebody comes to me and says, I have a need. The first question I ask myself is, so what? Mm. Like, OK, great. Um, you know, how close does that get me to a successful buying decision, right? So it, it really doesn't. It's just one step. It's, I'm not there yet. I have, a lots of, I have a lot of other questions. When somebody comes to me with a need, I always default to the first universal truth that I think about. This idea that whatever is born is born for growth. Um, whether it's a company, a tree, or a human being, growth is the reason that we're here, Right. And the only reason somebody cares about their health is because they want to be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They want to be improving, not declining. Uh, the only reason somebody buys something for their company is because they want to improve that company. They want to be part of the growth trajectory of that company, not part of its demise. Mm. Um, Can I add something on that real quick? Yeah. In any situation you have right now where you're frustrated at somebody or getting bitter or or really irritated at a circumstance, if you can adopt what Jimmy's saying here, it's born for your growth, it completely changes the way you relate to it. I have a close relationship where something, a preference they have uh, from a standpoint of my perspective could, if I don't have the perspective of it's born for growth, could cause me to be frustrated and think, okay, I'm limited by this. But instead I go, no, I fully accept that reality, like we were talking about, and I lean into it to explore how does this grow and change me. Right. Right. So if somebody says they have a need, the first question in my mind, before I can really assume that or think of them as a buyer of anything, whether I'm a leader or a salesperson, is so what? What is this need preventing from for you in your life? What is this? What is this need? What barrier does this need create that's blocking you from getting what you want? So I need to know what you want. Hmm. I need to know where you want to be. I need to know the desires, the vision that you have. Whether I'm selling a paperclip or whether I'm selling an enterprise. Um, technology solution to a global organization needs are meaningless without the context of the desire that someone has a buyer has or an organization has and it's not the need that creates value it's the desire that creates value so in every situation i'm in regardless of what i hear from somebody in terms of what they need or you know what um what they're trying to achieve um for an organization or in terms of a buying cycle, I'm always going to be focused on growth, that definition of growth for them. What is, what is your definition of growth? What do you want? What's your desire? That's going to create the context for the need. And then I'm going to continue to have the conversation from there and implement the WINS methodology. But what's great about this from a sales perspective is I'm breaking out of that convincer mindset. Mm. I'm not coming up with new bullshit ideas and crazy ways to persuade people that I'm the guy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 
in this mode where I have to entertain and be smooth and and develop my charisma and go through a script of enough bullshit until some throw enough stuff against the wall until something sticks and then ooh I got gotcha, you now I can close you I don't have to I don't have to carry that crap with me I can just be curious and interested but focused on focus focusing my buyer on the things that matter yeah where do you want to be what's blocking you right what do you want what's blocking you what are the barriers that are standing in your way and in the middle we can talk about the impact that success would have we can talk about the impact that failure would have we can talk about the impact of doing nothing i don't have to persuade the impact that you articulate to me as the buyer will will do the persuading yeah and I, i'm not making anything up it's just, it's these are words that are coming out of your mouth yeah 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 yeah, yeah. dude uh, because uh, I know this as we've done stuff together and and I saw this when I first saw the wins model like this is exactly what people are hungry for in selling today uh, you could subtitle like the wins model selling without faking charisma <laughs> uh, I think so many people feel exhausted rightfully so by that it it takes so much energy to manufacture and drum up you know and I lived for a long time as a leader, like, okay, I have to use my enthusiasm to get us there. And, and I think in a public-facing leadership role, um, there is a space for enthusiasm. And I think more importantly, what's natural to your style? My style tends to be a little rowdy, expressive, you know, fun. At least from my perspective, it's fun. My kids don't always think that. But, uh, but the idea being... Um, what a powerful way to say to people, you can be free of all the false pressures you thought you had to generate. And I think this is the thing that's not considered enough. And I know you and I have talked about this. Um, how you reach them is how you keep them. So if you reach them through this forced enthusiasm or this drummed up manufactured pressure, uh, that's how you're going to keep, you know, do you want to reach people like that? Do you want to reach the kind of people who fall for those things, right? Um, I love my clients. I love who I get to serve. And I think about my clients in terms of people I work with, our companies work with, but also our coaches, you know, our certified coaches. I love them. And, and they're here not because I drummed up enthusiasm. Oh, Chris can really sell. No, they meet and I go, here's all the reasons you should not be one. <laughs> and then they want more. It's cool. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so think about it. So this drummed-up enthusiasm, that's typically the way beginners get into sales, right? It's the mm. transfer of enthusiasm. And that's an easy thing for a beginner to latch on to because they feel like they don't know enough to deliver value to a client. Um, where we want to be is we want to, you know, we want to understand sales as the systematic delivery or transfer of value mm -hmm. because there's a mutual transfer of value. I'm providing a service or a product and the client's providing me with money or some other currency to pay for that. It's, there's a transfer of value and sales makes it, sales should be systematic. It shouldn't be show up and wing it. It should be something predictable and repeatable that makes it happen. So yeah, to your point, we don't have to fall for the trap, even as beginners, that I don't have enough to offer. 
I have to have enthusiasm to make up for what I can't bring to the table. All you have to do is think and act like a servant leader. Mm -hmm. Think and act like a growth multiplier. Um, your job is to is to identify folks that have a shared goal that you are masterfully equipped to and a path that you're masterfully equipped to walk them down, right? Serve the shared goal, lead them along that shared path to change, and you will be fine. Mm -hmm. Focus on that. Focus on them, not on yourself, uh, and you'll be fine. And you'll build skills. You'll build the skills sooner, and you'll have them longer, which means you'll have a much more um, uh, beneficial and uh, successful career. Beautifully stated. I love it. It's awesome. It's where we want to be. Yeah. So lots more to come on growth multiplier. Um, something I'd like to ask the audience, anybody who has a, an origin story, we'd love to hear it. We'd love you to share with us. And in fact, we'd love to even share some of these stories in future episodes. If uh, you listen to this today and you're like, shit, that was me, or wow, I have a story to tell, or maybe you're in the midst of experiencing the shift, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. <laughs>